I'm wondering what would you think if I told you that it was well within your grasp with just a little bit of effort that you could start cultivating the healthiest, most vibrant relationships in your life, in work, in day-to-day life, and even in love. That's right, even in your love life. Today's guest, Shalina Ayana, is the answer, and she's got an incredible new book called Becoming the One, Heal Your Past, Transform Your Relationship Patterns, and Come Home to Yourself. Now, whether you like it or not, we all have both small T trauma and capital T trauma experiences in our life, and our ability to look at our family history, look at who we have become through a series of experiences in our life and what we might do about it is an incredibly valuable experience that can bring this vibrancy, this richness to your life. That is what we learn. I'm gonna get out of the way. Yours truly with Shalina Ayana. Let's go. Hey, today's episode of Chase Jarvis Live is powered by Creative Live. That's right. If you've been subscribed to the show for a while now, you know all about Creative Live. You heard me talk about it. It's in the books that I've written. You know that it is the best way to learn skills and explore your curiosities with learning from the leaders in every creative discipline in entrepreneurial space, from photography, video, design, to building an online business and ultimately living the life of your dreams. It's all possible with a Creative Live subscription and you're taking a big step right now if you go check it out at creativelive.com slash creatorpass. That's right, C-R-E-A-T-O-R-P-A-S-S. Now for a little more than 100 bucks, you can access the entire Creative Live library with more than 2,000 classes from the world's top creators. So where do you go to get this offer? Again, go to creativelive.com slash creatorpass, C-R-E-A-T-O-R-P-A-S-S. New classes are added every week and we're always streaming content for free if you wanna check it out. Please let me know what you've learned most recently. I'm always interested in hearing your stories and I'm happy to amplify and give you a high five on social if you tag me at Chase Jarvis with what you're learning. So beyond that, let's get back to the show. Selena, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. I know you're 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 on the screen here, but where are you physically in the world? And you've got a big book launch coming up. Does that mean you're you know you're on the streets of New York pounding the pavement? Where where are you right now? <laughs> yeah, no, you know I'm actually on my ten acres in Salt Spring Island, and uh, I am in a little barn studio that my husband and I have created for our podcasting and. Uh, just enjoying the beautiful weather and the sounds of the birds and the forest. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much nicer than so many other authors that uh, we were. I, I think we could probably call mutual friends that are out there doing yeah. something different. And the reason, uh, I guess, I wanted to have you on the show selfishly. I mean, I, I look at it as my role to facilitate, you know, connecting you with our wonderful uh, community of listeners and watchers. But selfishly, I have been fascinated with, you know, the the very important words that we say to ourselves. And I often describe those as the most important words in the world. And a lot of that, uh, those words, that language um, ha- relates to, you know, the experiences that we've had and past traumas and how we see ourselves fitting into the world, into our own skin. And you have written, you've built you know, multi-million person community around these very ideas. So that's selfishly, I'm grateful to be able to spend time and and learn and uh, to set the table for those listeners and watchers. I'm wondering if you can begin by sharing a little bit, you know, I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit there, but if you can just orient us around you, your work, obviously um, work with a capital W, but you also have a small W, kind of a big W, small W. Uh, you've got a new book called Becoming the One, but just orient us around you know, your your mission and vision for this one precious life that, that you've got. Mm, yeah, I like how you framed that, thanks. Yeah, my mission really is to work you know, primarily with women, but with all human beings to come home to themselves and create a re-education of what it means to be in relationship. So my work in conscious relationship really isn't just centered around being in a, a romantic partnership, but it's also how are we in relationship with ourselves? How are we in relationship with nature? How are we in relationship with community, with spirit? And so it's this circular connection that we have. And so the foundation of my work is that our relationship to self is the foundation 
for every other relationship we have in our lives. And we go through life without much guidance. And we learn from our first families or from our societal conditioning that love really isn't that safe and that we have to hold back our hearts and that we have to defend and guard. And so, you know, given that my own history is of childhood trauma and abandonment and really roughing it, you could say, um, to put it lightly, I know what it's like to have to spend years in painful, unhealthy, unsafe, violent relationships and what it means to de-armor and to really look beneath the surface and find that sensitivity again, find that vulnerability and learn how to be in safe, harmonious, peaceful relationships. And that's what gives us the freedom to give and be of service in our communities, which is ultimately why we're here. So I work with women on you know, the anxious avoidant dance. We talk a lot about our family conditioning, our childhood conditioning. I do a lot of mother-father wounding work. uh, And ultimately, it really does all come back to, you know, who are you and what do you stand for? And what is it that you want to create in your life? And how can you do that by knowing yourself? And not just the parts that are easy to look at, but also the parts that maybe aren't so easy to look at right? Because we all play a role in how our patterns look. And so when we have the courage to traverse those depths, uh, really, we can we can unfold into a lot of magic. Mm. Yeah. So well put. Uh, and I shared with you before we began recording that I have been on a you know multi-year personal journey and a, I wish I could say lifelong, but there's, there's an awakening for many of us, right? Uh, but also the um, the fact that we all have history and past and whether that has, you know, capital T trauma, you talked about violence and personal safety or, or there's small T trauma, just, you know, the experience of either not fitting in or be where you are in your family relationships or, or whatnot. And, and that, that plays such a role in, you know, who we are, how we show up in the world and what I've found through my own personal work and through you know, having a lot of conversations like this with, with you and with other experts is to understand that that, you know, without sort of looking at that, it, it probably, and I, I would, I just say probably because I don't want to speak in certainty because I don't know, but certainly probably got, got to affect what we can be or become in this world, unless we sort of manage, manage that and look at it. And you, you lift the veil or look under the covers, you had a better, better, um, metaphor for it. But if, can you talk about how or why you got started in this work? Was it part of a personal journey or did you see this holding yourself and or others back or, or is there some other, you know, way that you got into it? How'd you get into it? Yeah, it was so multifaceted. I, I think I was initiated into this work just through the very act of being born, truly. Like I always had this sense that I was here to be a writer. I I remember when I was seven and I used to sit in my room alone and practice my interviews with Oprah and I would be talking about my book. And I started writing as soon as I could pick up a pen. I was always writing. I was always living in this world of exploration and spirituality. Um, but then, you know, as my life took me down this very windy road, I experienced, you know, a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, childhood abandonment, sexual abuse that led to, you know, in and out of foster homes, eventually living on my own at 16, working two jobs, you know, addiction, uh, homelessness, violent relationships, you name it, I endured that. And every time I had those experiences, There was something telling me that I was learning and that I was gathering wisdom, not just for myself, but for others. And there came a point after I had been in a very violent relationship that, you know, was very unsafe and I had left that. And then I just dove right into the next safe person I found and married the person, you know, when I was in my early 20s which of course blew up in my face. You know, it ended in deep betrayal. I lost everything. Anything that I tried to hold on to just fell away. And 
many people that are listening and maybe even you yourself can relate. It's sort of this cleansing that happens is this, this burning away of anything that isn't true. And it hurts like hell, but it's also this initiation process for those of us who are, who've come here for a spiritual journey. And so I was having that. So everything fell away. And then I really realized that I had never let myself feel my pain in my life. I had never felt the heartache and the pain and the sadness and the loss of never having met my father, never really having a nurturing mother, having been abandoned, having sort of just been this this kid that belongs to no one floating out in the world and being seen as a bad apple because nobody claimed me. And, And so when I had been forced into feeling that, the pain was so great that I actually would go to bed at some nights and think, you know, I might die in my sleep tonight because this is so painful. That's literally what I thought. Like my heart was just aching. Uh, but at the same time, I was writing all the time and I was just telling myself, you know, this is for a purpose. And I began uh, Rising Woman probably a couple of years before that, but it was very much just a creative outlet. I was writing on Facebook. I wasn't I wasn't even on Instagram yet. Didn't even have a website. And then as I went through that initiation of that breakdown of uh you could hardly call it a marriage, but it was, you know, legally, that really pushed me into my purpose. And so I began training with a transpersonal therapist and I apprenticed for 4 years in shadow work. Uh, I've done extensive trainings in somatic work since then, inherited family trauma, uh, pretty much everything you can imagine, including also doing really deep ancestral work with my own spirit workers and lots of plant medicine journeys working. I've worked with ayahuasca extensively. And, And through that, I just began writing more and more and more. And I got on Instagram in 2018 and started putting my writing out there. And all of a sudden, it just exploded and it grew organically. We're now, you know, over 2.5 million people reading my work and people always ask me, well, how did you do that? And I just say, I, I didn't really do that. I just shared what was coming through and it took a life of its own. And so that's really, you know, it is a personal journey for me. Um, I feel that I can relate to the people that I work with Nobody can bring me anything that's going to scare me away because I've been there and I don't judge it. And I just know what's possible for each of us to have authentic love. And I deeply want that for everyone. Um, phenomenal telling of your story. You said a, a handful of things I want to put pins in and come back to. I'll kind of do it in reverse order. You know, a rising woman community of millions that you've been riding around for for years and building a community around this work, I think is so helpful because not only is it, you know, one to many, you to your community, but the community is all kinds of opportunities to speak and help heal one another. And I, I want to put myself in a position there, there are, I'm, I'm going to be very um, generic just for a second. Like there are people who in your um, opening salvo there shared the work that you've done. And there are people right now that are listening, going like, okay, I'm all in. She just described me or or, or several of the attributes that you shared or your experiences. And then there are people that are scratching their head and saying, Oh, that's, that's a hard work that she's talking about there. And I I mean, first of all, no one who's listening or watching can say none of that speaks to me. So I would like to address for the people who right now are like, I wonder if I should go on with this because think Shalene is going to challenge, is about to challenge some of this little comfort that I'm in right now. And I'm wondering if you have anything uh, to say to, to those folks. I would ask, how comfortable are you really? And is the other shoe going to drop if you keep ignoring what's beyond the curtain, right? And only we we each know the answer to that, you know? And I, I do believe there are some of us who come in, we just have an easy relationship karma and, we're, you know, we're just we're secure and everything's working fine. And yeah, we have conflict, but it doesn't really get in the way. There's a small percentage of people like that. So acknowledging that they exist, you know, they're unicorns, but they exist. But for the rest of us, 
relationship is hard work and it does require deep honesty. Um, but my work is designed to help you not have to do it in the hard way. I did it the hard way, you know, and many of us who do this work, our intention is to create an easier path, a gentler path, right? And so a lot of the work that I do is creating a safe container so that you don't get lost in your pain while you're navigating. And the beauty is, is it's, it's really difficult at first when we start to look at our own role in our patterns and when we start to feel responsible for our lives or why things aren't working out. We no longer blame all of our ex-partners or even our current partner for all of the problems. And we start to say, okay, I'm, I'm playing a role in this. But the gift is, is that we are also taking our power back. So instead of being in the seat of this helpless person who can't change anything themselves because it's everyone else's fault, all of a sudden we realize, oh, wow, you know, I can actually create a different experience for myself if I'm willing to feel, you know, whatever I need to feel here, if I'm willing to own my part and if I'm willing to show up. And to me, that's such a gift, right? Because many of us have experienced loss or abandonment or betrayal. And when we make it all about that person, it's a very powerless feeling. And so what happens when we put ourselves in the seat of power again, and we realize like, okay, I have a role here. Maybe there's something that I can do. And I love that shift. And we usually come to that point through deep heartache, through crisis, through this dark night of the soul. And so most of us, won't be as willing until it hurts so bad that we need to change the feeling. <laughs> That's just unfortunately how most of us come to meet change, right? The truth just sounds different. Yeah. Doesn't it? It's yeah. got a power. Speaking of power, um, you said something in there, and you know, I promised to put a pin in a few things, and yet you said something right in that last you know, 60 seconds that I want to address immediately, which is, I think it makes it expressly relevant to our community of listeners and watchers. And it's one of the reasons, frankly, that I was very passionate about getting you on the show before your book comes out. Um, and you said, create a different experience for ourselves, And that is very active, right? You know, in, in our community, we talk about, you know, the creating with small C in light daily ways as a, as a photographer designer, just seeing yourself choosing to create your path home or choosing to co-create a conversation with someone you love. Those are all active activities. And if we think of ourselves as cooked in the tide versus like having a role to play in, you know, the, the beautiful creative aspects of our life and sometimes the mundane, but, but useful aspects of creating you very intentionally, I'm guessing, use the word create a different experience because it implies some sort of ownership. I'm wondering if you can mm -hmm. speak to that for a moment. Yeah, you said it exactly right. Ownership is a great word to use because in our culture, we're conditioned to blame. You see it in everything that we've created in our systems even, right? Like we're, we're conditioned for blame uh, and we are not conditioned for ownership. And so personal responsibility when it comes to our lives and our relationships and our emotions, it's a maturation process that most of us have to initiate ourselves, unfortunately, because many of us, we didn't have those elders, we didn't have that community, we didn't have those rites of passages that our ancestors may have had that force us to, you know, take responsibility, right? And so it is a choice. And ultimately, we are creating our relationship patterns as we move through life. And we're making a conscious choice whether or not we want to simply carry on what we learned from our families and what we've inherited from our ancestors. If we just want to keep breathing the pain down the line, or if we want to take a step back and take a conscious look and assess what feels true to me, what do I actually value? You know, what do I feel that I'm here to do? You know, what's my mission in this life in relationship? For me, it was definitely to break patterns, to heal deep ancestral trauma, to you know sort of end the violence that was moving through my maternal line. And 
I think many of us do come here with some similar mission and we, what a great time to do it because we have so much information. We have amazing podcasts like yours. We have so many books and opportunities to heal. There's never been more resources for us to learn. And ultimately the creative side of it is getting to see our world as a potential paradise. That's how I like to see it. You know, what, what do I want to bring to my potential paradise? How do I want to feel? How do I want my community to feel around me? What do I want to give? What do I want to receive? It's not just about calling in this relationship that you want. It's how are you going to show up every single day when you find it? You know? This, this, yeah, this this creating in small daily ways. This is like the, you're building the muscle, right? To yeah. actually craft the the, literally the life that you see the paradise. I love, I'm definitely borrowing that. <laughs> um, you, you know, in your book, which I want to, you know, I want to pull a couple of excerpts momentarily here, but you talk about discovering and celebrating your true desires. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wondering if you can talk around uh, the, the spectrum of those desires, because right now there's someone saying, well, I, haven't earned that or I don't get that, I don't deserve that. I and I frankly I feel like so many people that I speak to and at different times in my life, I've, you know, whether worthiness is the right word or is that available to me or through socioeconomic or societal or cultural that I'm not I, I'm not allowed to do those things. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um for someone who has who uses that language with themselves, what's what's something that you would share with them? One of the things that I take people through in my book and in my work a lot is exploring the belief systems and the unconscious contracts that we made in our family systems. And so when we're in a family system, everybody plays a role and everybody's made these sort of unspoken agreements about what's okay, what's not okay, what we're allowed to have, what we're not allowed to have, what do we believe about people who have money, what do we believe about people who speak up, who are bold, who are courageous, you know, and we have all of these internalized judgments or fears. And depending on the culture that we come from, there can be some pretty strict rules around, you know, speaking up or, you know, stepping into your power or being different. And so the first step always is just looking at where did this belief even come from? And then we get to choose whether or not we're going to carry that on. Is that actually my belief or did I just inherit that belief, right? What is it that I actually feel is true? What do I want to believe in my body? And then we get to reclaim. We get to reclaim what it is that we really believe, what it is that we truly desire, and, and then begin to cultivate them in small ways. And so unconscious contracts can be really sneaky because we might not realize that we have sort of colluded with our mother and father to remain in a state of, you know, low income for the rest of our lives because we all have made an agreement that, you know, wealth is bad or that rich people are whatever, you know, the, the, the jargon is because, you know, we hear that from families. I heard it a lot when I was young. Right. Um, there's all sorts of unconscious contracts that we make. And so really, I think assessing those is step one. Um, and then deciding, you know, who do we want to be? That is the perfect segue to my next question, <laughs> which is it's almost like you read my mind or I'm, I guess I'm following the work, which is <laughs> uh, I, in my writing, I talk about a creative framework, which is it's a four-step process. Imagine what you want, design essentially a plan or a program or self journey to get there, execute that plan and then share, you know, build community around you and your ideas. And the important, you know, part around in that system I've created is, is the imagination. And in doing the work that I've done in the, in the creative space and with this community for, you know, 20 years, a decade or more, I find that the imagination of what's possible has been so constrained. I know that has a role in your work as well. And I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, just imagining, you know, how, how do we go about like literally what are some of the steps? Cause right now I think the, the, so many people who are listening are saying, 
oh my gosh, I've actually never done, if you, if you had a magic wand and you could tap me on the forehead and, you know, create the life that I want, I'm not actually sure what I want, which is, it's the saying, it's hard to get where you want to go if you don't know where you're going or you know, some, something like that. Um, how, how does that manifest in, in your work? One of the things that I've seen the most is that we have set these idealized fantasies around what is acceptable to want. I'm sure you see this all the time because we work with creative people, right? But there's these ideas of what success means in our society. And so I get a lot of people who come and to me and they have this sort of cookie cutter template of what they want. But when we dive in, it's not actually true. And I'm a huge, like you asked me, you know, are you on the streets of New York? And I said, no, I'm on 10 acres of land listening to the birds sing. And it's not that I didn't have an opportunity to go to New York. I want to be on the land and nature because that's where my heart is. And it's the simple life that I love. And I think so many of us want something that maybe doesn't seem grand enough. And so we tell ourselves that we need to, you know, we need to want to build an empire or I need to make a million dollars or I need to achieve X, Y, Z to be successful. But at the heart of it, I think what most of us really want is just to feel connected to other people, to feel seen, to feel loved, to feel valuable just for who we are and to contribute. When we contribute, we feel worthy, right? And so... I really suggest taking an honest inquiry of where you have set goals that just reflect what you think you should achieve versus what your heart is actually asking you for. And then even, you know, this applies a lot to creatives. Are you doing things in the way that you're told you should do them so that you're successful? Or are you doing them in the way that you are feeling so pulled to do them? Because if it doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it this way, if you are feeling so pulled to doing it a different way, chances are you're going to be more successful by staying true to your essence. And so, and this is that coming home to ourselves piece again, right? It translates to every area of our lives. If we're not being authentic with ourselves, we can't be authentic in our relationships. We can't be authentic in our work, in our art. And so it's all linked. And to reference the coming home part, yeah. uh, the title of your new book, I have to say it, Becoming the One, Heal Your Past, Transform Your Relationship Patterns, and Come Home to Yourself. This idea of our, the vision that we have for this one precious life being so impacted and shaped by other people. You know, I'm, I'm, I became aware through my own journey that what was difficult, you know, I think you shared, you know, the, the way that your journey was shaped through a lot of the, the trauma that you shared earlier. Um, I had a very strange experience of, I feel like the people around me loved me, but the vision that I was getting, and it's, this is cultural, this is parents, grandparents, career counselor, friends socioeconomic status, place and culture, all of the things they were, was confusing to me because my, my own personal experience was not aligned with that. And yet I see these people in my case, I feel reasonably connected in love, but I don't want any of this stuff. Right. And I have, Ben, oh, this is a this is a personal question. I should have started with that. This is personal counseling request here. <laughs> um, you know, and this is I was you know reading a, a bunch of different chapters of your book with this in mind. And the capital T trauma, is, you know, we can these horrible events that so many of us have experienced. Um, you know, small t trauma just being a human in this time and space can be difficult for all kinds of different reasons. And there's a weird aspect of having not labeled myself in a particular way that sort of gave me access to that because I feel like I was surrounded by the people who cared about me, but I still yeah. felt totally fucked up. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you can, you know, speak to that 
Um, and I'm asking about this in part for myself, the selfish reason, but also I feel like there's a, a cross section of the universe that for this, you know, anyone else who might not, who might feel like that, that doesn't feel immediately like running to some of the, that doesn't feel like these other things may have served them and it's extra confusing. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk to me about that for a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to dive into that with you because I always wonder, you know, what did you feel was missing or what were you yearning for? Like when you felt that absence, was there something that you were longing for that just wasn't there? The way that I, um, the, the parts of the book that I related to were talking about with um, connecting with inner child, playful, right. and coming home to the body's wisdom. Like I just, it was very strong gut. Like I'm doing all this shit because other people want me to do it. And this is how I fit in and find acceptance and fit in with the tribe and we're social creatures. And, and yet there's just something in here mm -hmm. that doesn't work mm -hmm. for me. And I had, a, I had difficulty sort of labeling it. Yeah. And then there was also a bunch of self-talk around you've had it easy. You know, if you were born white and male and in America and, you know, maybe lower social economic status, but you didn't, it's like, you didn't, I was not, you know, food insecure, for example. So, you know, there's a, there was a weird dialogue. Why do I feel this way? And, mm -hmm. and just disconnected. And I think, but some of it was, where's that childlike play? Another bit was mm -hmm. like, my body is, there's some sort of rejection happening that I cannot explain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I, I wonder, you know, if you can resonate with the idea that maybe you were surrounded by people who they appreciated you for your mind or maybe the things that you had done and the, you know, your accolades, but perhaps you wanted to feel seen just on that deep heart level. Maybe there wasn't that intimacy that mm -hmm. you felt was possible. For sure. And, yeah. you know, having, you know, that's part of the where I got to with the work that I, I've done and what was so telling to me about you know the work is this idea of um the patterns in our relationships there's a whole um, i'm looking at the book for those of you who don't have the benefit of having the book open here uh, you know chapter three is basically exploring your relationship patterns understanding projections transforming your relationship patterns compassionate self-awareness red flags and green flags so let's pull on this thread let's take my story, independent of my story, you, you, you've, you've landed at the place where I landed, which was, uh, yeah, like uh, intimacy and connection and, and deep, like love for the sake of love rather than good yeah. job, pat on the head type. So how, you know, how do we understand our projections? How are we aware of our, how do we become more aware of our relationship patterns? Mm -hmm. There's a, it's a deep process. A lot of times we will continue to hit the same wall over and over again. I kind of call it like a hamster wheel, you know, or a merry-go-round. We're on a hamster wheel or a merry-go-round in our relationships. So the relationship could look different. The person could be different, but the pattern will stay the same. And sometimes the patterns are so sneaky and covert that we can't see the similarities. And we think there's no way there's a pattern here. This is totally different. But what I touch on in the book is called, it's called emotional themes. And so let's not worry too much about all of the details being exact. What is the consistent emotional theme that you're carrying through? And right for, so, so for some of us, it's not feeling seen for who we are. It's not having um, our inner child recognized or, you know, only feeling like we're good enough if we succeed a certain way or consistently feeling betrayed or abandoned or fearing, uh, loss, um, or having all of our relationships end in, in some way that seems consistent. And we, and we think, well, this is just must be the way things are. I just can't trust people. Love isn't safe, or maybe even love hurts, or this is as good as it's going to get. And those are all our conditioned beliefs based on our past relationships that often stem from first family conditioning, right? What we experienced when we were in home, our home as a child, what we learned, you know, by watching other authority figures in our lives interact with other adults and with us, right? All of those experiences shape us. And so we might be moving through life making 
everybody who shows up one of those people from the past, right? We do that a lot in romantic relationship. We make our partner responsible for all of the ways that we've been hurt and all of the ways that we've been betrayed or, you know, unloved or disrespected. And so the littlest thing can set us off with them or we'll punish them unconsciously for things that they haven't even done, or we'll assume the worst of their intentions, even though that might not be true at all. And that's because that's what we've come to know because that's what happened in the past. And so working through those things requires us to take an inventory, which I have again in the book, there's a process for taking inventory of who are you incomplete with? You know, what relationships are you still holding on to? You know, who are you still angry at? Who do you still hate? You know, who do you still feel hurt by? Um, and we do some work around those relationships. And then we uncover, you know, what are those emotional themes and where am I holding on and where the where might this be showing up now in my present day? And is it possible? that there's more available to me beyond this story that I have built for myself, could I experience something different, right? And you know, what you were speaking to earlier is that inkling, it's that yearning, because you knew deep down in your soul and in your gut that you could have that deeper intimacy, that you could have that more playful, connected experience. And I think most of us want it, even if we don't know it, but you're right. Lots of us don't believe that we can have it. And so it's, it's a process of sort of peeling back the layers until we get to the core. And when we get to that core, it's really tender and it can be really scary because we've spent our whole lives armoring up and protecting ourselves, you know, cause the world is not always the safest place. And so to, to de-armor is the most courageous thing, but we also have to make sure that we are doing so with the right people, you know, cultivating those, those deep, authentic relationships. Let's talk about people for a second. And, you know, there's all kinds of cliche sayings that I have been guilty of repeating. I have experience of some of them being part through of just, you know, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with, or, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you or whatever. Like how, what role does that play in your work and how would you address that? I, I, I'm now, I, I feel like there, you know, there are hints of, of this throughout the work and I'm wondering if you can just hit it straight on. Mm -hmm. I do think it's important that we be selective of who we have in our lives. And I think we, grossly underestimate the power that a relationship has to shape us. And we, we put far too little emphasis on calling in a partner that's actually a qualified partner for us. And I talk about this a lot with, with women who experience a lot of anxiety, but I, I also, my husband runs men's groups, right? So I'm surrounded by men in the work all day long. So I know that we all, we all deal with this stuff. Yeah, right. evolved man is that right? Evolved, evolving man is his, uh, is his stuff. But he also runs a, a a brotherhood organization called Arca Brotherhood, and so I'm lucky because I get to you know have 10, 15 men around for a weekend quite often, and they come and sit at the table and they share their hearts with me, and I get to see that you know we're all struggling with the same stuff. We might not think so, but it, it is pretty much a, just a human thing. But, you know, we go out on dates or we meet new people and we're often really fixed on whether or not that person approves of us or likes us or thinks that we're attractive or, you know, wants to be with us. Meanwhile, we're not even tuned into how we feel in our own bodies when we're with this person. We're not tuned into whether or not our values align. Maybe we haven't even taken account of what our values are. And so it's about returning to ourselves once again, being in our bodies and focusing on whether or not people are aligned for us, you know, and it's, it's, and it's coming from an integrated place. It's not just this graspy emotional, like I want to be loved. I want to be liked. And I'm just going to, you know, take whoever will enter, you know, my field. It's more of a discernment that we curate when we have healthy boundaries where we can discern whether or not we actually feel like 
a safe, expressed person when we're with them, or if we feel that we have to hold back parts of ourselves or that we have to contort ourselves in order to be with them, right? And when we're with people who are a match for us, it's not always going to be easy, but it's not going to feel forced. And that's the ticket, right? And we all know what it's like to just feel kind of at home with people. And we know what it's like when there's this tension or this forced energy where it just doesn't seem to be right. But maybe we feel a lot of turn on and attraction, so we're like pursuing it anyways. And so I do my best to help people create more of a clear picture for themselves of what it would look like when someone is aligned. And this is friendships and romantic partnerships. It's every, every aspect, right? Let's keep pulling on this thread of intuition, gut feeling, listening to the body. Mm-hmm. That is a big part of your work. You talked about it a, a, a lot here and it's in the book throughout. The science, it says, obviously your intuition is there for a reason. And there's um, a lot of our Western world that tries to dismiss that. And I'm wondering if you can talk to uh, the role that intuition plays and, and how you actually start for someone who may be a doubter or for whom this may feel unfamiliar. How, how can you, you coach us into, into the value of intuition and how to listen to it, how to, how to find the signal through the noise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can call it many things. Sometimes I call it our inner compass, right? It's our inner compass. And so what is that? It's not just this magical thing. I think we think of intuition as this like magical, you know, an intangible thing that it's like a psychic hit. And, you know, for sure, I get those and lots of us do. However, we all have access to our inner compass, which is our body wisdom. Most of us have either had that trained out of us through the school system, through, you know, societal conditioning, through growing up in families that were not the safest environment for emotional expression. So many of us retreat into our heads in order to stay safe in our lives. So coming back to our body, it will take practice and we might not trust it, but it's really the process of tuning into the sensations that we feel, you know, how, how are we breathing? Where is there tightness? Where is there warmth? Where is there openness? Where is there constriction? Paying attention to, how our body sensations are alerting us throughout our interactions. So you talk about these feelings in our body and you talked about the training out of us. In the book, you talk about how to, you know, train it in, how to listen, how to, Mm -hmm. you know, like trace body sensations and do body scans. And is there a, and what's an introductory for people who right now, like for whom this feels like a foreign thing, like, you're, you know, how many people, uh, when I start talking about intuition, they talk about, yeah, well, my intuition was wrong. I thought this person was going to be an awesome person. And then, you know, it bit me in the ass and they were a mean person. And it's not necessarily what we mean by intuition. And I'm wondering if you, we can take, pick up on some of those cues you talked about with what does it actually feel like? Yeah. Can you give us more there? Yeah, well, I want to bounce off of that, what you just said, too, because that's the perfect example of ways that we invalidate ourselves by looking at our histories and things didn't work out. And so therefore, we can't trust ourselves. That's why I wrote an entire chapter called Red Flags, Green Flags, because often if we really take a look, it's not that you, you're going to know. None of us really know what the relationship karma or path is going to be with each person that we meet. There's no way to predict that. It's not your fault if you meet somebody and you have positive hope and intention for that relationship going well, and then it doesn't go well. That's how life works, right? That doesn't mean you have to blame yourself and you can't trust yourself anymore. However, if we take an honest look backward, there are often many moments where our bodies did tell us something didn't feel right. Maybe we dismissed something in a, in the moment where it felt like we were being disrespected or we weren't being treated right or that maybe we felt like we were being lied to or that something wasn't right. 
I know I had that a lot and I continued to dismiss it and dismiss it and dismiss it. I wasn't checked out. I just ignored the red flags. I also didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what green flags looked like because I had never felt the sensation of safe healing relationship. So how could I? And so it's really, we have to let ourselves off the hook as well. Instead of staying in the cycle of self-blame and lack of trust, we got to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt a little bit. And so there's a difference between fear and intuition, right? When we're going towards something because we are afraid to be alone, then we're not coming from a place of soul truth. We're coming from a place of scarcity and lack. And so it, that's why it all just comes back to slowly rebuilding that relationship to ourselves and knowing that we are safe and secure and that we are whole and really focusing too on cultivating healthy friendships as a base, filling up our love tank so that we're not constantly chasing you know, this godlike figure that we've crafted in our minds who's going to finally complete us and make us worthy in the world because we can't do that for other people. We can co-create that feeling in a relationship, but we are part of that equation. So we have to practice that self-talk that we are whole and also just do little body scans throughout the day for getting started. Yeah. And you, for, for those, you know, look, asking or like you, you referenced red flags, green flags is chapter 11 on page 199 here. Uh, <laughs> very useful. And also I want to be, um, it, complimentary because there are these there are literal scripts in your your latest book here that are that help you sort of understand that and help you ask your questions the questions you have of yourself and guidance for body scans for example example and you know the the intro line for red flags green flags chapter is if only life were as easy as breaking down behaviors into simple and concise little lists, yeah. which makes me want, which makes, which is absurd. But the reality, as you said, the word in your last little moment there, practice, like this is a practice, right? Like anything, like building a muscle or getting good at a skill or a creative craft, like this takes work. Mm -hmm. Does it not? It totally does. And there's no perfect. And what happens when we that's why I use the word transform your relationship patterns instead of break them, smash them, end them, you know, complete them. We're transforming them. And what is transformation? It's taking something and transforming it. It's still that it's still there. It's just expressing in a new way. It's been transformed. And that's what we do with our patterns. I still have the same patterns that I was born with. And I've transformed them. So how they show up in my life can now be completely different. And what we find is as we shift and transform, it becomes more possible to do the work in relationship with people because we have cultivated that inner awareness. We've cultivated that clarity and we know what it is that we want to create with other people. We have healthy discernment and boundaries and so the people that are in our lives, we'll still have things come up with. We'll still have conflict in our relationships or in our marriages, but we will have the tools and we'll have the confidence and we'll have the mutual respect and willingness to tackle it together so that slowly over time, we become more and more secure in who we are. And that's really just the name of the game. There's no end point. Uh, there's no time in history where you're going to be perfect or where you're always going to get it right or where your partner is always going to get it right. And that's a gift. Life is a gift. It's so We're so lucky to be here. And I see so many of us spending our lives chasing unavailable love or pursuing relationships that really hurt. And that hurts me to see because relationship is essentially all there is at the end of the day, when we're on our deathbeds, we don't wish that we made more money or, you know, that we were, you know, better with our business. We might regret not spending time with our families or not saying the things we wanted to say or not loving the way we wanted to love. So every breath we take is a new opportunity to be that. It's hard to find a better spot to put a pause <laughs> in our conversation than that. That is uh, I mean, not even a pause, an exclamation point is, is maybe a better um, 
thank you so much for all of the work you do. Um, Rising Woman is an amazing Instagram handle if you're interested. Um, your new book, obviously, is a profound work of genius. And for those folks, again, the title, <clears throat> uh, Becoming the One, Heal Your Past, Transform Your Relationship Patterns, and Come Home to Yourself. I'm so grateful for you, for the work that you do in this world, have done and continue to do for the communities. Um, is there anywhere else that you'd want to steer us aside from the book? The book is obviously such a, it's very timely and we're good at supporting authors when they launch new things. And this is a very profound work that will help anyone. And I literally mean every single person. If your ears or eyes are seeing or hearing this, you will benefit from this work. Is there anywhere else you would steer people for the time being or other places on the internet you want us to go? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Chase. The, uh, my website is shalinaayana.com and I also have risingwoman.com and I have some free meditations that I have created. They're in my voice. They're written by me. And, uh, I have a wonderful friend who sound engineers them. They're these beautiful little odysseys and, uh, they're free. So you can go and download those on my website if you are looking for extra tools and, I just really appreciate this conversation. It was great to share this time with you uh, to meet your audience. And thank you so much for highlighting uh, this book. It was such a mm. gift to write this book and to share it with the world. Thank you. Uh, I This is going to have a profound impact on millions. I'm grateful for your time. We're fans of you. We're in your corner here. We'll do everything we can to support you and the work. I'm grateful for our time. And uh, you heard it out there, folks, for the you know, you know where to go now. And, uh, book is absolutely extraordinary. Um, thank you so much again for spending time with us and from myself and Shalina, we bid you all out there in the world a good day. And this work is worth it. I highly, highly recommend paying attention. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies, the universal, Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show and or Chase Jarvis, Creative Live, any of that stuff on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. I want to take a second to say thank you. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. Mm -hmm.